apartment, I lied on my right in bed With grandma's foil comforter and some books I never read Gonna climb that corporate ladder, cause I don't need a man Bunny hunt's coming over, she has too much time on her hands We'll light a hundred candles, wait for a guy to call Hey, can I offer you a snack? There's some paint chips on the wall It's the 90s I can afford this giant home An assistant salary I can pay for it alone I open up my French door Step on the balcony Show off my pixie haircut Cause I live in the 90s Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming on. on. My first thoughts about the movie were uh, my first notes that I wrote down was, um, he looks so shiny and hunky, uh, but also skin damage from too much tanning. Is tanning out of style? Do people get tans anymore on purpose? No, the tanning, we can, like, let's delve deep into his tan because it is so intense. Mm -hmm. And I saw him, I was a PA in this movie for two weeks and he was right. blindingly tan. Really? Like, it was, oh my was God. It, and like, it, it was so much worse. Was it's it real be a spray tan? tan. Self tanner, yeah, like spray tan. I was for sure makeup, yeah. Was it yeah. orange or was it in the brown he copper? Was the color of the sun. He was like an orange brown. He he, he looked like a crayon. He just it was just ridiculous. It was, it was ridiculous. I, al I also love that he's the one with the mega tan, but then enter Jennifer Garner, whose name is Jeannie Parati, so she's Italian. <laughs> Oh she's yeah, like a she's ghost. Italian? <laughs> well, Jeannie I don't know, Jeannie Like, <laughs> Parati is yeah, Italian. Like, that's Peretti. so funny. It doesn't, play, it doesn't play any. It doesn't play into her character at all. No. no. I, again, I always read into movie names, and it's always a waste of time, unless it's like, I don't know, Daniel Plainview. Just like, okay. Yeah, there's, there's, there's subtext there. So yeah, like, the tan the tans are funny. Jan what if Janine Garofalo was Jenny Parati? <laughs> I would love that. I would, I would love have loved that. that. Yeah. Well, uh, my gripe with the whole that whole character is though is, what is this like? Why do? And then you guys have seen way more rom coms, I'm sure. But how come she's not like? I'm sorry. Fuck off forever. Like, yeah. <laughs> the idea that he's yeah. a project that needs to be fixed is like. That's really, it really annoyed me. Yeah. 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 Because but she. But then he kind of like fixes himself though. Ugh, I'm going to that's that's true. I'm, I'm yeah, the okay. one. I, this, I, me, a black woman, I'm going to defend this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I just uh, think Charlie, she could do ahead. so much better than him, you know? She's smart. She's witty. And I don't, you know. She's a doctor. Oh, she is a doctor. <laughs> that's Wait, her I, whole character. I, the movie starts and he's like, he just gets out of his car, walks through the building, and he's so good at his job that he just picks a camera up, takes one photo, and he's like, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> like, on to objectifying, like, six more women. Mm -hmm. And I know it's a comedy, but, like, the levels of, of what was grounded comedy and what was, like, that, why does it need to be this absurd? Like, when he breaks up with three women on one conference call? Yeah, in a Zoom call. I was yeah. like... You don't have one would be enough. Yeah, but I guess it was that. like that was the joke. Three's it's the so joke, guys. He's a he's a piece of shit. You're right. Rule of <laughs> threes too. 
Yeah. And then he photographs it. Oh, also all the women are just falling after him. Like he photographs yeah. that woman. He nearly kills her with like a bow and arrow. Mm-hmm. And right. then she's just like smitten with him because it was a but good that photo. photo is legitimately great. <laughs> it's it an great amazing photo. photo. And the yeah. woman is Christina Melian, which I don't know, feels very. Oh, shit. I didn't pick up on that. <laughs> yeah, it was Christina Melian. But this movie okay. is a, a retelling of a Christmas Carol, but with instead of ghosts, it's his ex-girlfriends. It's so masculine. Like everything about this, there's no there's no female fingerprint on this movie. Even like the female characters are super masculine to me. Like Jennifer Garner. Well, yeah. Jennifer Garner too? Masculine? Yeah, I, everything felt very written by a man. Like the bachelor, Which it was. the yeah, mm-hmm. she was yeah. And was I looked up? Okay, I was like, all right, the director's forty a forty five year old white man. Um, Matthew McConaughey was forty. I mean, it's like it's made for women, but it's it it's not. No, and I think the writers wrote the Hangover movies. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. That makes so much sense. Funny, I know. Though. It's legitimately funny. Like they definitely knew a Connor Mead. I feel like they knew. Yeah. Like Connor was. Connor was. uh, The guy who like beat them up in school. I was trying to be like, what does the name mean for this character? And I was like, you know what? I think it's just like, what is the dude's name? It's Connor. It's like a fuck boy name for sure. Yeah, that's it. It doesn't have any, like, I wanted some, like, poetry there. And also, like, the bridesmaids were all men. Like, I just felt like I didn't. Yeah. Like, they were just hypersexualized. Like, they were just, like, these were all, like, versions of women that men want women to be. It was wedding crafters. Is this a thing, by the way, like, where at weddings... I used to be a wedding photographer. I feel like that should probably. I, I photographed weddings too. You did. I did they're, in Boston. They're a, night, they're a nightmare. Yeah, they're a nightmare. Even after all these weddings I've been to, and I've been in a bunch, I've officiated like four. Jeez. And I didn't know. Is there is there a thing where like bridesmaids and groomsmen are supposed to fuck each other? Is that like a? I think is that's that an yeah, unspoken that's rule. Contract that you sign yeah. when you say yes <laughs> to the dress and having people. Be in the wedding because they, they like the, the bridesmaids felt doomed. They were like, uh, "I guess we have to go with those guys," and it's like, "Yeah, you don't have to sleep with any of them." Yeah, you guys don't have to have sex with anyone. You can just be yeah. at this wedding and not have sex. You just have any. You just celebrate your friends' wedding. Uh, but that was their character. Tr- it's like they were just gonna. They were hypersexualized women, and that was it. They had. I don't even know what their last name. I don't even know what their first names were. They were just. Oh yeah. Yeah. Were there four of them? Five of them? Three. <laughs> and he had sex with all of them, right? Except for one? No. Not that he had sex with any of them because he was too only busy one traveling. No, there was time. only one he didn't, right? And she was trying to have sex with him the whole time. The blonde one. It doesn't pass the Bechdel test, I don't think at all. Wait, right? what is the Bechdel test? I, I The Bechdel test is Allison Bechtel wrote um, Fun Home, but she had a little test that she, that now is sort of in the zeitgeist, which is like, if two female characters talk to each other 
in a scene and it's not about another man or about relationships, it passes the test. So yeah, I, I kept checking in and I was like 30 minutes in. It still has and not passed the Bechtel test. One time, Jennifer Garner's character gets a phone call and it's she's and the person on the other side of the phone says is like calling her into work. But it's right after he leaves and she has tears in her eyes and cries immediately after. So <laughs> but is like it a woman the, on the line? Uh, oh yeah, that's true. I don't know. Around. Like somebody just bringing her in for work. Because they're like, because all the women, they all, like there's a bridezilla, you know, she's this gross caricature of a woman getting married. The bridesmaids are just, pawn- it truly is like, this is made for women, but it doesn't care about no this is made for men this is made this is made by men for men but it's supposed to be like yeah for women but it's not yeah Lacey Chabert her character's I had a huge crush on her I feel like every guy did when Um, she was in Mean Girls and also I had a the action figures from Lost in Space. Oh my god. But yeah, she doesn't get to, she gets to be, she doesn't get a full character at all either. No, and she was really funny in this, but she was just a hysterical bride. And I actually wrote down, does she want to get married? I don't think she does want to get married. Like, she's so upset about the arugula fig salad and mm-hmm. everything else. <laughs> she's like trying to get out of it. I think if I were to create her backstory, I think she's cheating on her on her fiance, and I don't think she wants to get married. But I think she thinks she. I, this is the movie I want to see. I want to okay. see an indie movie about her character, who is feels like she has to get married, but she doesn't really want to get married. And she's secretly having an affair with someone else, but she doesn't really want to get married to anyone. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds better. Yeah, it's it sounds already better. way better. I, you know what, you guys, I'm going to defend this movie. It's in the genre of rom-com. It's, which is just generally ridiculous and reinforces uh, patriarchal stereotypes anyway. Um, Yeah. And it was legitimately funny at times. Like Michael Douglas is this ridiculous clown. Like I took it as satirical, you know, like these men that wrote the movie, they are making fun of fuckboys, basically, of this kind of trope from the lens that they know how. Like, because men writing women is generally just, like, tough anyway. <laughs> Do you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, true. And within the genre, I think it did a pretty good job. Like, I give it I give it a B. I give it a B. Okay. I might even give it a B plus. Because this so is, like... more positive than me. Well, I it's like you can't just... go to... You can't go to McDonald's and like compare it to a Michelin restaurant. Like this is, yeah. you know, that's true. Yeah, I not, think there was a lot of fun moments. It's not unwatchable. It's not like The Room, which is, I mean, a very fun. But like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a, it structurally makes sense. It's, it's like shot on film, I think. So that looks nice. <laughs> but I agree with you. I think it's like. It per- I don't think it's endorsing Matthew McConaughey at all. I think it's saying like this is gross. This is gross yeah, behavior. This is gross and this sucks. 
Yeah, and they are Emma making Stone fun of him. It's great in it. She breaks out in it. <laughs> she is really good in it. She's really. This is two years it. after Superbad, though. So this is this is like she'd already. Like, oh. She already got it. Was EZA? Where was EZA? In I this? think I think this year. I think it's two thousand nine or eight. What a year for her. Kind of crazy. Yeah, she was. Like, she was really funny in it. That was my favorite part. Was she actually had a full character? I felt like she had the most developed female character. That's a good point. <laughs> she did. Yeah. Again, I would like to see a movie about her. Um, to to play devil's advocate, to play the role of the stereotypical white man, just de- to just well, actually, um, I feel like the whenever you write a lead character, you're going to be mostly in that person's perspective anyway. And then whoever acts as like the aid to the lead is going to be the one that gets the most backstory anyway. So like Emma Stone's character is like the aid to mm. him, you know? So like all those characters are peripheral characters anyway. So I feel like saying that Jennifer Garner, like the way she was written and not having a ton of backstory, like if it were on her, Matthew McConaughey would also not have a ton of backstory because he would be playing supporting to her lead. Does that make sense? I know. Like they chose to tell the perspective, his perspective. So then everybody else is not going to get fully fleshed out backstories. I feel like though they could have done a little bit on her. Like I do want to know why she loves, she just loves him as a kid. Like she just, she has this childhood crush that, and also I will argue that she's yeah. kind of a player too. Yeah. Because? Because like that school dance, like she likes Matthew McConaughey. She likes Connor. She's had a crush on him since she was little. Right. And then she goes and dances with that guy in front of him. And that's what makes him so sad and despondent. And he goes and runs and Michael Douglas is ready to pick him up and teaches him how to Michael be a Michael Douglas is like, wait, that, I wrote some stuff down from that scene because that's in, insane when Michael Douglas like He's already takes there. him to the bar. Oh, Michael Douglas, by the way, he's fully framed on the a really sleazy womanizing producer, Robert Evans. Do you know him? <laughs> he did like The Godfather and Rosemary's Baby and he's like a notorious coke fiend who wrote uh there's a great documentary about him but he it's literally he looks exactly like him and i was like oh it's robert evans and he's doing this he's not doing an impression of him which but it it was cool it was cool to see there was like a little reason he looked the way he did and was acting like him i was like michael douglas giving rapey advice to a middle schooler uh i never had a male mentor thank god i was raised by my cool older cousins who were all women thank god because that, that kind of advice, though, that messaging from that scene, that's like 100% the type of things men tell each other about, like, how to date. Like, oh, don't be too nice. Don't. You're going to bring a flower over. What did he say? When he says, what are you going to do? Bring a flower over to her and ask her to go to the disco? You may as well say, I'm a fag. Let's be friends. That is uh, advice I heard from both men and women in high school and college on like me being too nice and that I needed to be meaner and essentially more predatory. So that scene was like, Oh my God, all the time. Like I would, I always had trouble dating and 
people would be like, I think it's just you're nice, you know? And girls don't really want that at this age. And I heard that from the age 16 till about 28. People would be like, people would theorize and be like, I wonder what's your problem. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I know I, I never was able to play the games, although I tried once in college, I was like texting a girl and I was like, maybe they're right. I should just be kind of a dick. And it worked. She was very into it. But then when we'd, we'd hang out, I'm not, I was not that way. And she would right. be like, I'm bored. <laughs> she would disappear. And then when I'd text, I'd be kind of rakish. It just never worked. Yeah, it's, it doesn't go far because if you're not that, I was told, I remember I didn't date in high school and I remember my sister dated all the time and I was told to be a bitch. <laughs> I was told wow. like, oh, you should be, yeah, I just, I never, I forgot about that. But yeah, it was like, oh, you, sh- you need to be, my sister even told me that. My sister was kind of Connor Mead, to be honest, now that I'm, well, <laughs> that. Wait, this would really be a better rom-com. Is, I know. Is, two, is, is two teens getting bad advice from each side of the playing field. We're and making, and then going, we're making really, we're making courting really each good other, movie like, ideas here. Courting each other, trying, and then like everyone missing the mark because no one's being themselves. Yeah. This is not a good rom-com like, to you guys. For real though. For real. Like, I love Charlene. I love that you're just going to keep fighting. for this Well, I'm fighting I for don't, it. I don't think it's horrendous. I think he the learns his lesson. Yeah, he learns yeah, his lesson I, for sure. Go ahead. Sorry, I'm yeah. Not. And like, I believe the brain is neuroplastic, and people can change their minds, and they don't have to be the same person forever. Like, yeah, he changed. He learned. I think he needs like shrooms and sex addiction. Sex addiction anonymous, though. I think they would do a better job. Yeah. Than the ghosts. Yeah, he needs therapy. He needs group therapy. He needs yeah. therapy. He also needs to stop. Every time he did not understand how the ghosts work, he would like be in the, <laughs> he'd like be in the past, and he'd be like, "Don't do it! Stop!" <laughs> you know that you they can't hear you. Why do you continue? Yeah, he didn't get how the ghosts worked at all. The I didn't get how the ghosts worked. Like at one time, Emma Stone is like, "Let me buy you a drink," and I'm like, "Aren't you a ghost? Like, how are you going to go into a bar yeah. and get drink? That doesn't make any sense to me." The magic was was actually, uh, the magic's like, I felt like they would kind of drop it and like pick pick it up and drop it, and be like, I didn't have a good idea of how it worked. I think they broke their rules a few times. It was very superficially written. Like it didn't feel like it was going to go deep in anything. I I also wonder if they made it for like teenagers more so than like they made it for hmm. me. They made it for black women and Charlene. Who- just, yeah, <laughs> there, we're not in these movies at all anyway, so I might as well laugh. Unless we're wonder, best friends. <laughs> I did like that does, they used the bed as a device. Like that was yeah. kind of fun. How about the uh, the the reign of the tears of women? He's wronged. That was so oh my god! Dark. And the mm-hmm. condoms, the condoms, hilarious. That was very funny. <laughs> I didn't know if they were setting up whether the joke was going to be no condom fell down <laughs> or that he was oh going to get God, crushed by condoms. I truly oh. thought he was running from like that one was coming at him. And I was like, okay, I don't know what they're trying to say here. Then it was, it was a lot of condoms. 
Yeah, it does make more sense that he didn't use condoms. That felt like a bro character. That he yeah. used so many condoms. He didn't. Why didn't he have a kid? Like, a guy like that at some point yes. had gotten someone pregnant. Like, there yeah. was no, when he was meeting all of the women, there was nobody that was, like, holding the hand of a four-year-old or something. It seems like a missed opportunity. That's so yeah. true. Like, that yeah. scene when, when he's, he's, or, I mean, genuinely a pretty great idea, which is all the women in a, an infinite hallway. Mm-hmm. Being like, I suffocate, he did this. And then when they all touch it, like, grab at him with their arms, and he's, like, suffocating, it looked like, um... I think I think it's Lars von Trier's Antichrist. Have you seen that? Oh, I yeah. never saw that. There's like the body, like the arms coming out of the ground. I didn't look it up, but so there were moments where I was like, "All right, this imagery is pretty great." Or when he they're gets buried, chairs. when they're shoveling dirt over him. That also that was terrifying. Yeah, and I think he was a piece of shit character that learned his lesson i wish jennifer garner would have just said like she was hesitant at the end but i wish she would have just said like you can take me out or something you know what i mean instead yeah. of like jumping straight into the relationship like we let's or, go to dinner or, like let's try this or even well, like was- a forgetting sarah marshall ending like mm. where he's alone again and he's like i'm good as me I don't know. Oh, yeah. Like, maybe he's, like, in, you know, some anonymous sex addiction anonymous, and you know, then she walks in, and she's like, me too. Mm -hmm. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. That would have been nice to see him go back to his life, and, like, then she shows up. Yeah. Yeah, like, he goes back to his apartment or whatever, and time has passed right. and maybe he's like doing things to show that he's changed and grown and then she's like okay I'll go on a date with you yeah 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 because he's clearly a love addict I mean he's a sex addict for sure but he is a love addict because he tries yeah. to get everybody to love him and then he just ghosts them right mm. that's the thing like remember when the bridesmaids are talking about it or like how he they fell in love with him then he makes people fall in love with him and then he's out yeah yeah so he loves them yeah he he craves that attention he's just too afraid to give it back did you like mcconaughey as him like do you feel like he pulled the role off and feel i i honestly am always distracted by that tan because i've seen this movie a few times and i it is just so highly distracting to me um (laughs) Like, I feel like he's, I don't want to say like too old for the character, but he does feel like a, I I don't know. I would have liked to have seen someone like he's fine, but also I had a, I had a hard time with the flashback with his hair. He looks old. He looks like 20 years older in the flashback. It's so bad. The hair is horrible. I love how she roasts him too. Horrible. That was a good joke. yeah that was a good joke that was a funny moment i love that uncle wayne that the scene that we were talking about where he gives him the lay down he's like calls it the stabbing wagon like this guy's just a caricature like he's horrible like a hugh hefner-esque like piece of shit that's like what's the philosophy that he gives him the relationships are about power or something and whoever cares less down because 
I've also heard this too, which is from people giving me dating advice, which is like when you when you're affectionate or when you do think like when you do nice things, that's when you're giving up the power. But I like that the movie has a criticism of that by the end. It's like the movie's like, but there's actually a sweet line. It's like uh, giving up power gives up the sense of control and then you can actually connect. Something like that. Yeah, when he's giving the... Is it when he's trying to win him back or is when he's giving the toast at the end? I think it's the toast. Maybe. I think it's the toast and he gives a genuinely good toast. Yeah. Except... <laughs> His first, his first cynical toast, when he's like, "Marriage is an archaic," you know, blah blah blah. I was like, yeah. "Oh no, oh no!" I, I sort of think this. <laughs> is there something from, to be? Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I there's a history book I like. It's called "Marriage: A History," and it and it it throws a lot of questions into the institution of marriage because it doesn't come from a great place for most of history. And only recently is it kind of a nice thing. Um, but when he's at the beginning, I was like, oh, no, am I going to like this guy? Oh, shit. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I actually agree with that part of it, too, because I am I feel like marriage is a little I don't really love the idea. Of, I don't like a contract like that makes me very mm -hmm. anxious. Um, I like like the idea of a partner and having somebody that you go through life with, but I'm there. The contract thing makes me very anxious. Um, and yeah, the origin yeah. of it is not good. So like that part. Yeah. Like that. I'm like, okay. And if he wants to have a certain lifestyle and everything, but I don't mind if a guy is a player or a woman, I mean, you could be a player too, as a woman, but just be good at it. Like you don't have to be a jerk. You know what I mean? Like you can, woo someone and not love bomb them and but say yeah. i'm seeing other people you can be you know what i mean like you can make someone feel good and also be honest mm -hmm. i think that's, at this time. that's the whole non-monogamous world it's like i'm going to be honest with you about this whole like everyone i'm seeing and vice versa and there's there doesn't need to be the deception and the and the heart heartbreak that comes with all the lying and the skeeviness yeah there doesn't need to be skeeviness yeah like I, I mean I was polyamorous with my ex uh for two years and it, it was like oh that's so sad that people cheat it's, it really sucks that people cheat when there's a whole community for people who have this kind of sex drive or even the need to like pursue multiple people it was like, also, it just seemed, I was like, the amount of work it must take to lie and cheat is shocking. It must be, I don't know how people do it. Yeah. And I think you would just feel, I would feel guilty and anxious all the time. Though I do wonder if some people, yeah. that's what they like about it. Like they like the deception or they like, it's like. Yeah. yeah. I think for sure, actually. Yeah. Because something you don't get, it like I, I, I used to try to think of like why do people cheat and i'm like you know what it probably is it's probably that same like that excitement and terror that you had when you were like sneaker sneaking around in high school and you're trying not to get caught by your parents by going over your boyfriend's house or something like that that same thrill except now it's your spouse 
and you're like, oh, this is so bad, but and you probably guilt, but also adventure, which you just you you never really have that unless you, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> and like the excitement of like meeting someone new and like starting a new relationship and like that high that happens, mm-hmm. and it's like, oh, are you just always chasing that high? I think Connor Mead is always chasing that high. <laughs> For sure. He's always mm-hmm. chasing that high and that tan. And within, I, within one scene, he chases like six different women's, the high of six different women. The first scene, yeah. he's like, dinner with her, dinner with her. I'm going to break up with her. I'm going to do this with her. Does every man have a Matthew McConaughey impression? Yeah. Is that like a requirement? <laughs> what, is that a common impression? That was pretty good. That was, that was yeah. good. I haven't tried it yet. I should. I should work on it. Um, I look. I looked up Charlotte Gainsbourg the other day. The actress. Oh, mm-hmm. who is that? Do you, she's um Serge Gainsbourg's uh, daughter, daughter and also an actress. She was. She was in Antichrist and that other Lars von Trier movie about sex. Like he took photos of like not just of her it was her and i was like they're in his studio with other people like it's like they're it's like orgy type stuff and it's just like him like like smiling at the camera holding holding the thing to take the photo and he's like you know bald with the rapey sunglasses yeah and he's like what is this whole thing i hate this oh my god you just unlocked a repressed memory of mine (laughs) I for I oh I try to forget I I was a photographer Hmm. and a friend of mine was like oh you should meet this photographer he works at this magazine I wanted to get into this magazine that actually sounds like a setup to rom com and (laughs) and then I met him and he was like I think immediately afterwards it's like that night or the next night he did he asked me for like nude photos wow yeah oh. And he tried to follow me. I won, I directed this short film and it won at the Boston HBO Women in Comedy Festival a few years ago. And I don't know if he like saw that and he tried to follow me. And I was like, you can go fuck right off. You are not, you are blocked. You're not following and you're blocked. Yeah, he was such, he was like a a hipster Connor Mead. Oh, there's a lot of those. I know. You Mm -hmm. have to be very weary of those. I mean- I went to school for photography and I I remember thinking there's no good reason to like try to, I was like, there's no level of like artistry that's like really could justify for me getting a woman into your studio nude and it not being predatory in some way. Like as a straight guy, like I was like, women should do this. That's great. But like every time one of my friends would be like, like, Hey, check out all these photos I took met this girl online. She came over to my place. We t- I was like, were you alone? That's so terrifying. <laughs> like, no, I know. Uh, Women, I, I don't feel like we're taught very well about how predatorial men are growing up. Really? How predatorial. I don't think so. I don't know. What do you think, Charlene? I don't feel like. I think that we're indoctrinated to be prey we are told to be quiet we're told to be docile we're told to be soft and vulnerable and then men are getting messages to be predators 
maybe not even overtly, like, don't cry, don't do this, go after what you want, don't say no, or like, don't take uh, no as an answer. So like, even when we're really little, I think we're getting these messages that set us up for these things. Like, I honestly think that a lot of men that are predatory don't think of themselves as being that way, because their whole life, they've been told these particular messages. And I liked that about this movie. Like, I feel like in the movie, we're the the way that he views women shifts through the throughout the movie and the way that women are portrayed and the way that they're written even shifts throughout the movie like where they we get to see deeper i think we're seeing almost like two different movies like in the beginning it's he's this lothario piece of shit kind of guy getting these terrible messages that it sounds like george you got which means that probably a lot of guys get to all of a sudden mm-hmm. like seeing the harm that he's inflicting like having these thoughts actually does harm you know treating people this way is actually hurting people's feelings like in in trying not to be hurt himself he's doing like just reprehensible amounts of harm you know and i think that we see that and i think that honestly the way that it's written yeah it was written by two men but i think it was pretty emotionally intelligent because he really winning me over he I know. I'm like, wait a journey. second. Do I? Like, like in the beginning, he says, he said, like, he, he learns at the end that you have to be vulnerable in order to have love. And love is not a power game. And in the beginning, it is a power game. If we would have ended up there, I would be like, this movie shit. It's garbage. But we don't. We, like, really see this arc, you know? And we don't yeah. usually see a character arc in a rom-com at all. Like, a true really? character arc. You know, you rarely ever see someone totally change like that. Hmm. So it almost feels like, I don't know. It's almost like, did you see, well, obviously, like Groundhog's Day, you know? He starts out like this Scrooge, and then he ends up, and I think it's like the same kind of character arc. Yeah. I mean, it's (laughs) it's a ready-made, a Christmas Carol is a ready-made framework for like structurally like he's going like it's it works so well because he does it's there there are these he 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 learns through each ghost you know starts to see the full picture of his life Mm -hmm. in a really like on the surface way he starts to see the full picture not the full but he starts to see a picture of the harm that he did too like with jennifer garner seeing how Mm. much she actually really did care for for him in those moments like alone you know yeah um, that she was hopeful and he can see himself in a new way too like like he forgot that he said that thing when he took the picture which he held on to for his whole life really you know when he's like i'll keep this forever he takes that photo of her as a little girl you know yeah and he says i didn't say that yeah but he like forgot who he it's like he doesn't just go on he returns to who he always was it's like a true hero's journey like he goes back to that Mm. little boy you know to caring about women before michael douglas yeah i and you're right there it is a hero's journey like he keeps doing the same thing over and it's not working then he finally yeah and he like learns a new way and we see him learning a new way and it's pretty funny the whole way through i i like legitimately liked it (laughs) It it's good do you um do you think that they ended up together like do you think that they stayed together Mm, no no neither 
I mean, I would hope so, but it's like he's he, he had one night where he realized things, you know, and if they I kind of like that they just ended it at the night of the wedding so we can we can decide or whatever. I mean, I guess it's mm-hmm. implied that they live happily ever after, but I'm going to say no. He needs therapy. Like, his, he's a fucking orphan with, like, a Lothario Hugh Hefner guy as his mentor. Like, there's no way he's all of a sudden, like, baking her, pan- like, making her pancakes in the morning or something. He yeah, definitely no, he needs- did not make her pancakes. There's no fucking way he made her pancakes. Yeah, I, I the follow-up is just him in therapy. Like, the sequel is just yeah. therapy sessions. Yeah, he. Yeah, he, yeah. I also feel like the writing was really good. Like his brother, I think, gives the story of him pretty well. You know, where he's like, mm. he's he didn't get to be, he didn't. I got to be good because he didn't get to be. Like he looked out for mm. me, and he. Which I don't know. I'm I'm firstborn in my family, and I very much feel that way. That like the the arrows that we withstand is to like protect the younger so we get like a brunt of all the bullshit i like the fact that his parents are dead <laughs> i mean like, that gives his character yeah, i love some, that i love that for him no but it gives his character like some substance and i'm like okay i get like why you don't want to be left you don't want to be abandoned but yeah it also explains I, why he why he would take his uncle's persona so seriously so yeah. it is, yeah, it's, it's well considered. I'm curious, George, how, what, like, what made you not take that advice? Like people were giving you this advice to be like a cad and mm. what like made you, cause I feel like a lot of men are given that advice and they do it and then they. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I resented it always. I like my, my theory is that one, I grew up around big Greek family and mostly women. I mean, the men were like, they played no part in my, like, I didn't have an older male cousin. I only had older female cousins. So I saw guys being jerks to them. Like, I remember vividly, like backwards hat, like, like, Oh, so Hey, Hey man. And like, and then seeing my cousin crying or upset about, there's just little blips of like, Oh, I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. I don't want to be that. Like, on the other hand, I would be jealous of like celebrities that were famous cads, like uh, Colin Farrell. But I'd just be like, "Yeah, I'm never gonna. That's that won't be me." And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So, if you were that's jealous, is it because you felt like you couldn't be that and you wanted to, or is I it just I, never consideration? I think I wanted. I, I mean, it was always like in, in requited love situations where I liked someone. And sure enough, they liked some jerk um, that was mean to them and therefore they were obsessed with them. This was like high school, you know. I was like, oh, okay. And so it seemed people in high school would be like, George, you're you're going to have trouble dating probably until you're 30. And that's because like you're just kind of marriage material. Like you're really sweet and you're kind of somebody that people want to be married to. But you're just not like... You know, people always want to fuck you. Oh my, and my, my friend, a, a woman told me that in high school. Hmm. And I remember being like, wow, she's probably right. And she honestly was not very wrong. Like, it wasn't until my 30s that 
I felt like, oh, I could just be me and I don't have to worry about it. I no longer worry at all. I'm like, because I have 30 something friends, male friends who will be like, um, oh, I'm not going to text her for like three days. And I'll be like, what? No, just please just text her. If you, mm-hmm. if you're excited about someone, just let them know. And you'd be like, sorry, no, I, I can't do what you do. And I'd be like, you could, and you'll attract people that are like you. Mm-hmm. Well, there's no games. No games need to be played if they're legit. <laughs> um, but there, there are definitely men my age still playing all the games. You know, and they need to watch this movie. It's it gets, that- it gets pathetic <laughs> at a certain point. Like when you're in your 30s and you're playing games, you're like, oh, I can't text her for three days. Like you're like, it's so it's just pathetic, and it's a turn off no. at that point. I feel like the game starts to sh- change when you're mm-hmm. in your 30s and. Mm that's not attractive anymore. Like playing hard to get and being a jerk. It's like, we don't have time for that. I, yeah. Our eggs are drying up. Like, yeah. Like, but like psychologically, it still makes people go like the techniques work for making people crazy. Like if you intermittent reward, you know, that you're literally hacking into like gambling mindset. Like if a guy mm-hmm. love bombs a girl, then pulls away for a week. I mean, you could, that guy could probably keep her on the line for months. That's true. And vice versa. Like I've had, I've had girls do that to me. Be really attentive and then disappear. And then you're like, "Uh, is it, I'm trying to analyze and strategize. Yeah. I mean, those are trauma bonds though. You know, like Hmm. if you're if you're attracting people or if there are people that are doing that, it's like, it's trauma that they're replaying out. And if you see that, you know, like the healthier that you get, the more that you see red flags on the surface and you're like, bye, you know, you don't even have time for it. But when you're young, you still haven't worked through your shit yet. And you're really naive and you can get like sucked into these things. And it feels like a drug, you know, to be in and out of this. And it hits your brain like a drug too. But then when you get, you start doing your own work. Everybody just needs to fucking do their work and go to therapy and work through their stuff. Yeah. Then those kinds of things are like not even, they wouldn't work anymore. Like his, his uh, uncle gives him that bit about like, you're going to give her two compliments above the waist and then you're going to say something cruel to her. And it's like, if yeah. someone did that to me, I would just be like, fuck you and be out. But when I was right. 22, maybe not, you know? Because it's like if McConaughey was just his character, if he was just having sex with them and not playing mind games, then that would be whatever. That would be fine. But that's not what he mm-hmm. that's not what his particular wound needs. His wound needs to be validated and it needs to know that it can be intimate, like it's available to him, but he's just choosing not to do it. And I think that's like the cult. I mean, living in L.A. and looking at the way the dating scene is and the way that a lot of men operate, they are tons of them operating with this like sickness, you know? Yeah. And they're like harming themselves. And I think that the movie shows that like at the end of his life, you know, he's fucking alone. (laughs) Yeah. I wish, I think what's something I would want from the movie more if that, because I feel like that's there. It's just that McConaughey plays it so cleanly and confidently that I don't feel like there's real weakness. It's like, he's just doing the suave thing, the whole movie. Yeah. So I never really felt like he's like, 
I never felt the insecurity that does come with that type of behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, the, yeah, self lo- the self-loathing. It is written, too. I think he wasn't playing it, maybe. Yeah, yeah, it's as written. He's just not doing it. I do love when he first, not love, but it's, it's so funny. He comes in immediately. He tries to, like, get his brother to call off the wedding. He's like, you don't really want to do right. this. He just showed up. His outfit, yeah. his, he was well, he was dressed the part, too. It was such a good, like, metrosexual in the early aughts. <laughs> totally. Leather Always jacket, had, like, scarf. Oh, mm. I know. Always had his shirt unbuttoned. I hate that metrosexual was like a thing that we said. That was I, I was about that. People constantly loved to tell me that that was because I was a straight man in high school who liked clothes, yeah, and hygiene, and uh, color, and people would be like, "You're so metro." Gross. The Which me- was essentially like you're gay, but. You're straight. I hate that, like, a well... At some point in the culture, we went from, like, Don Draper-esque madmen, you know, where men were, like, well cared for, took pride in their appearance, and, like, put effort into it, to being, like, these... Where it's, like, to show that you are straight, you have to be slovenly, to look well, dirty. Like, there's <laughs> always been a so tipping weird. point of, like... Like, I think dandy... I think... Metrosexual is just a modern word for the word dandy, which is like a straight guy who like likes the finer things a little too much. Basically like low key, they might be gay. Like he's a dandy. You know, I like art and color and clothing. Like, what are you gay? (laughs) I mean, I've had girlfriends, I've had girlfriends straight up be like, God, sometimes you're just so gay. And I'll be like, I hate that. I hate that. That like just being effeminate can be a, like sort of a, it's jokey, it's funny. Like sometimes you're so gay, and you're like, oh, okay. So it's it's bad. Way to, to tell on themselves, though. Way to tell on I themselves. I know. It's I, also like you. Sorry, I was just gonna say it's like very uniquely American too. I was gonna say I feel like it's another way of saying you're not you're un-American. You're not that classic yeah. American guy. Yeah, and also that it's the most insulting thing you can say to a man is that you're slightly feminine. Like, that's yeah, just, yeah. Moving to L.A. was, I used to live in Pittsburgh and Chicago, and I would say moving here has helped me not not only embrace that side of me and just be like, it is what it is, but that it's something to be, that I can celebrate and be like, this is good. I'm actually glad I don't have any of those markers of traditional masculinity. And I feel mm-hmm. safe to like fully embrace that here. I think there's Whereas, also like, Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, that's all. That's all I was going to say, I feel like there's also like, we, we get this message that there's like, there's traditional masculinity, but then there's to- there's toxic masculinity. And like those two things are not always overlapping, you know, like I would argue not even argue. I would say that like we all are masculine and feminine and like women that are shaming men for embracing their feminine side really have been, they have internalized so much misogyny that they're not allowing themselves to be comfortable with their own femininity, even though they like live in the body of a cis woman, you know? Yeah. So it's like more a reflection on the, their emotional ineptitude (laughs) than it is on, that man at all you know and like 
So, and like, where does that leave people that are not, that are bi or pan, you know? If you're just like, if you're this way, you're gay. And if you're this way, you're straight. Yeah. Well, it's all it's a like, construct to sell, to sell things. Like I, I sound like a douchebag saying this, but I minored in gender studies. Yay. Um, <laughs> sounds very goofy. Um, but we, t- I mean, this was a long time ago, but like, yeah, we talked about how everything is masculine. Everything is assigned a gender, even like things, colors, like everything. And it's really mm-hmm. just to sell, to sell products, to sell people, things, places, and like compartmentalize. I mean, it's all... Yeah, it's a bastardization. Like the way, at least the way I see it, is being like a indigenous as well, and seeing things like through this duality of the universe. Like there's a masculine, a feminine. You know that it's like taking and commodifying something that is actually maybe innate. You know where we all have this duality. We all have things that are more masculine or are more feminine, and it doesn't mean that it's like pink and blue and you know war and guns and flowers and sunshine you know it's like a deeper like to me I see that it is being more like yang yin like receiving or enacting you know I remember being like five I think it was like five and I had a tragic short haircut it was like a bowl haircut (laughs) so I guess I looked (laughs) slightly like a boy and I was in gymnastics class and I was put with I think I was just talking to some of the boys and I was just with them and we were about to do what is that thing that like I can't remember what we're talking about does it have handles on it yeah the thing with handles Mm -hmm. yeah yeah and like we were in line to go do it and someone this woman came up to me and she's like oh no no you're in the wrong line you have to go over there and I was like what? What's happening? What? Why do I have to be in that? Why do I have to be with the girls? Why can I just do whatever I want? Because your indoctrination had to happen because they had to sell you things. Like I learned it wasn't until like the 1930s or something where there was even separate boys and girls clothes. And basically wow. like people would have children and they would pass down hand-me-downs from boy to girl like babies i'm talking babies and they would all wear these like weird little neutral gowns and they would all wear the same colored stuff and then basically clothing companies were like this is a missed opportunity for revenue like let's engender all these things you know let's gender all these things and tell them they have to be this way and it's like it's all capitalism like Mm -hmm. All of the bullshit in our society fucking comes down to big boss capitalism. Like, that's final boss. <laughs> that's my leftist. But also, I mean, religion, life. religion and, like, I mean, the, the the disparity is, like, timeless. Yeah, right? but like, it's a function the, of Like, the gendering. Wealth. Yeah, probably. Yeah, I think, like, I think everything comes down to it. I think racism, I think, relig- like, religion and the oppressive views that they have i think it all comes down to it i mean the catholic church like the reason why their priests were not allowed to marry was not because it was some sort of spiritual sanctimonious thing it started because they didn't want people the priests to be able to leave their wealth to the family to their family wow really? when they died their wealth went back into the church so it's oh like all money <laughs> it all comes down to money i hate it 
is horrible. And now it's just like a haven for um, pedophiles. This is exactly where I thought this movie would lead us. This is exactly. Really? <laughs> yeah. Like we're going to get ran Catholic church. We're going to get there. Church, the problems of the Catholic church. For you, for you two growing up, like, because I've watched so few rom-coms. Uh, I, I have trouble stomaching like the, the saccharine quality of almost all of them. But like, do, did you feel like they affected you growing up? Like in your views of totally. relationships and what to expect? Totally. Also, my idea of what my apartment was going to be like. Yeah. That's, <laughs> more so that. Yeah, more so that. Um, I feel like, yeah, for me, for sure. I think subconsciously I was like watching these growing up. I was like, oh, so that's just a thing we're going to have. We're just going to like, there is a soulmate. There's like one person for you and like, you're just going to meet that person. And like, that's just a given. And that's just going to happen. And like, there's no complexity to rom-coms. There's no like, how do we make this work? Are we right for each other? You know? I think it got to me in the way that I don't think there's guys I would have dated if I hadn't watched rom-coms. Like, mm. I think I gave guys more chances than I should have given oh, them. Interesting. Yeah. I think it definitely like, cause like, Oh no, he's wooing you. That's a good thing. You should, that should make you feel good. Even if you feel creeped out. <laughs> I think the reverse is that I've experienced these movies uh, the effect these movies have had, which is that I don't, I don't even slightly love bomb. Like I'm really bad at being like saying all these like starry eyed things. Um, and I've been told, I think I've been told like this person I was seeing, they were like, yeah, you're, you're incredible. And like, you do all these really thoughtful things and you do this, this, and this, and you do this, this, and this all great, all great. It's just that, I need someone who's going to say these romantic things and I know they're out there and they're going to like, and I was like, you want me to love bomb you? <laughs> like, cause I very consciously go like, it has to take, it takes a long time for me to get to those plate, that place where I can say those, those things and mean them mm -hmm. maybe five months, you know, it's I'm slow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this person was straight up like, yeah, I think, I think, you would have said them if you really like, be, and I was like straight out of the movies. Like you were expecting too much expectations, way too high. Well, expecting also, literally like, a storybook, a storybook thing. Yeah. Like I know what I want. I know what I want from this. I want him to say this at this moment. And she cited some moments where she thought there was going to be a romantic thing was going to occur. And I was like, Oh, that's, that's crazy. Cause the times that have been really romantic have caught me off guard. That's so lovely. Mm -hmm. That's the surprise of love. You can't plan it. But it mm -hmm. was like, I swear it was like she had a little checklist that was straight out of the, a movie or a book that was like, and he did that in that moment, and it was good. <laughs> and it was and raining he, outside and we kissed. <laughs> straight. I mean, actually, that's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> one of our one of our dates it was raining and there was definitely an opportunity it was our first date and i was like i bet some guys would use this moment as like the first kiss but i don't like to kiss on a first date because i feel like i don't know the person so like yeah so we were just like we were in a park and it was raining and i was like keep, want to keep walking 
she's oh like God, this is your so moment funny. we would be soaked and like under this lantern <laughs> i was like i want to get dry and i want to not <laughs> i don't want to be out here i feel like for, for me with these movies like I want to speak to the, I mean, be like being a girl, like growing up a, a young girl of color, like it's, there was no place for us really in these movies. So I was very, like, I didn't realize that I was even attractive until I was in my mid twenties wow. because in these types of narratives, like we are always just supporting. So like, I almost had kind of the opposite where I had no expectations or very low expectations. And Mm -hmm. then I would walk away from a situation and then somebody would be like, you know, that person was hitting on you, right? Or, you know, they were interested or I would have guy friends because I'm married and I've been married for a while. And they'd be like, I would have friends that I at work or something that I thought were just guy friends but they were interested in me and I didn't get it and like with my husband we were friends for three years before we started dating before anything romantic was even there so like wow that was later you know I don't know so it's just like I don't think I internalized it as much because my mirror neurons were not firing as much because I wasn't watching Carrie Washington getting swept off her feet, you know, <laughs> I was watching like Reese Witherspoon and she looks nothing like me and it has a completely different experience than mine. So all of this was just like bonkers, like Cirque du Soleil type shit in my mind. It was like, there, this was mm. obviously not real, you know? That's, that's such so a great. That's such a great lens, <laughs> like <laughs> to just like dodge that whole thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I think it goes to show like the power of representation too. You know, like how yeah. important how important it is. In some ways, it like saved me from a lot of this bad messaging that there was so little representation because I wasn't getting these same sorts of messages. You know. I feel like there was a critique of Crazy Rich Asians that kind of touched on this, which was that they were kind of saying, like, look, this movie's bad. It's a bad message. It's stupid. It's it's saccharine, and it's confused in what it wants to say. But it was an Asian writer, and he said, "I we, we deserve our shitty movies, too, by the way. We deserve our movies with bad messaging and complicated ethics like and mm-hmm. i was like that is the best review of this movie because i didn't like it and i was like yeah okay i have a question uh for both of you what would be like who would be your ghosts your three ghosts oh that's really good uh, my 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 mind immediately went to that my achilles heel is 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 not with relationships it's with self-esteem so my ghosts would be like Here's you as a child doing pretty well. Here's you. <laughs> Here's you in the today. Did you not notice you just did a show where you actually got laughs? And then here's you in the future. And you're, like, I don't actually know how it would scan, but. That's actually, that would be a really cute, like, children's book. Oh, yeah. That'd be so cute. The ghost like of self esteem past. The ghost, <laughs> ghost of self esteem past. Yeah. <laughs> like a cart, like an animated short or something. Mm. that would mm-hmm. be nice for kids and for grown-ups oh, yeah. yeah 
like the ghost of like i mean straight up my grandfather who was very supportive of me but he was kind of the only person in my family that was like do the art don't stop then he died too young so he would be the first ghost he'd be the first ghost an actual ghost he would actually be a ghost that i talked to and he would come back and he would show you you as a little boy yeah, right. I don't know how is that, that's the structure. I think so. I think there's a ghost, and then they sh- they like, bring you back to a time. Yeah, where... and they go, "Don't you remember this person?" Yeah. Yeah, Charlie. What would you? I mean, mine would probably be like similar. Maybe jobs. It'd probably be career. Mine would be all career ghosts. It'd be like showing me all the times I was exploited and like how I was feeling like it was giving me self-esteem to work myself into the ground, <laughs> you know, that would be, I like that that. Would be mine. Yeah. That's like that still, still trying to figure that, that one out, you know, how I can like sell my labor <laughs> without <laughs> being exploited. Cause like I have to eat, but yeah, there's but the, my first one would probably be like I cleaned houses when I that was my first job when I was like 12 and I cleaned houses for the pastor of our church and one time I cleaned his house and he told me it wasn't good enough and so I went back over there and cleaned his house again and I was there for like in total it was probably like 18 hours of cleaning. <sighs> yeah, like on hands and knees child labor type shit. And then I remember he paid me $35 and I was like, this is amazing. I can buy school supplies. So like my ghost would probably just be like showing me how to not get exploited. (laughs) (laughs) The ghost of exploitations past. Yes. Yes. (laughs) For sure. Oh man. What about you, Ashley? Um, I was trying, well, this made me think about it in a different way. Probably would show me times that I was strong because I feel Mm -hmm. like I forget. I feel like we're we're like getting to like Wizard of Oz territory. I feel like I'm now in a place where I'm like, oh no, I want someone who I just really like and like want to be with. So I feel like I've gotten Mm -hmm. past a little bit of guys I used to date. But yeah. Sweeping romance that you needed before. I mean, I was never really into that. I was never, that always kind of would weird me out because it always felt so forced. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do feel like growing up because my sister would date so much and she was like really pretty and really popular. And I was like an ugly duckling. I thought I had to date, like I had to make up for lost time and like date certain kind of guys and like fall for certain kind of guys. And so I feel like that's sort of like worn off. So we're all misfits. (laughs) We were all misfits that had self-esteem issues. (laughs) I wonder what it would be like to like not be, I don't even know how, like, I can't even imagine it. Like what would it be like to just be chosen all the time? To be a normie. Yeah. Easy. That seems really easy. You probably wouldn't be making art. That's for sure. No. You would be stealing no. art. There's a there's a great essay um, on from Alenda Baton, I think is his name, and he it's called the Problems of the Very Beautiful, and the essay is like a little checklist of, or you know he analyzes kind of why it's 
why we shouldn't envy the Emily Ratajkowska or whatever her name is, Ratajkowski. Mm-hmm. Um, like they don't have to develop a personality because everybody brings theirs to them. Mm-hmm. They don't have to develop a sense of humor because everyone's trying to impress them. And it goes through like, it's like you should actually maybe even slightly pity them for the the lack of development like that the most of us have to go through because of rejection and you know being marginalized for any host of reasons or all of them <laughs> yeah, yeah i would imagine it's like they really does empty. build character uh yeah yeah george for sure. did you um have you ever had a rom-com haircut i mean i was looking at my hair i was like it's 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 quite curly but it, it was almost his hair shape except that he has his gelled up mm-hmm. so he had his like gelled and it was kind of backwards which is what my hair is curly so it it's sort of at the moment in the same shape as his <laughs> it is. yeah it is yeah. it is in a similar shape yeah so you currently yeah. have a rom-com haircut i currently <laughs> have a rom-com haircut which i used to have big curly hair and i cut because a girl I was dating was like it's just so goofy and like effeminate oh, no. and so I cut it and and she loved my shorter hair and then everybody I dated since then has been like oh my god never grow your hair out again like like you look so much more handsome with this rom-com haircut oh it could be a, I, I don't like that she said effeminate and goofy but maybe your bone structure because you have like very high cheekbones so like maybe it looks mm. better Thank you. You're showing off your jaw and your cheekbones. Do you have a favorite movie that's about love and relationships that you actually like? I was, I was trying to think of that, like just because uh, what what like what were movies that were looser r- romantic comedies mm-hmm. or drama? Like it could be, I guess, a drama. Like the first one that comes to mind that I think of as a love movie is Her. Oh yeah, that's the Joaquin Phoenix movie. Mm-hmm. I haven't watched it in so long, so I don't remember exactly why it took me. I think I felt. Oh, you know what I love about that movie is that I don't think it's about a robot. I don't think it's like a. Oh my god, one day people are going to fall in love with robots. I think it's more about two people and the way that two people in love can outgrow each other and how rapidly one person can be in a growth period. And the other person can be like, I refuse to learn or grow and kind of be stuck. Because cause, um, what's her name evolves too fast for him and she leaves mm-hmm. him. Oh, right. Remember, mm-hmm. she like evolves and she's actually seeing like over 500 different people at one oh time. Oh, God, that's right. And I, and I was and then she and she leaves conscious like she leaves like the universe altogether with them. She's like, we're going to a higher plane of whatever. And he's so devastated, but it's like, there was, they, they outgrew each other. It, it just mm-hmm. seemed like this really honest way of looking at what I thought was a movie about his divorce. Probably. Yeah. For sure. Um, I have to rewatch that. I've been meaning to rewatch that. And then I'll watch the trailer and I'm like, do I want to rewatch this? And then I like, can't get in the mood. But I do you. want to. <laughs> I also think Joaquin Phoenix is, gives is such a it's such a sweet soft performance from him 
I never saw him like that. And I was like, wow. Yeah, it is I soft. S- I see that he's like an incredible. I, it was like, it was like, it was when I decided he was really fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> he is. He's, he's an incredible actor. But yeah, that was a nice. It also was because it was slightly a comedy. It was nice to see mm-hmm. him as like an ordinary guy. Yeah. Like not someone with, you know, severe alcoholism or drug addiction or, you know. Some mental weird. Illness. Yeah. Schizophrenia. All, all of the above. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was just Johnny Cash I was talking about. We played him. I'm trying to think of, wait, I have a list of my favorite movies of all time on my phone and I bet. Oh, wow. I like yeah. that you keep that just in your back pocket. I do. Okay, so my list is every movie and show that I'm deeply fond of or has enhanced my sense of myself. <laughs> Leaving out intellectually pleasing but emotionally dead films. <laughs> Super specific. <laughs> Very. Okay, let's see if any of these. Oh, I feel like the favorite is a good love story in a way. Oh, yeah. That's oh, yeah. Okay. Totally. Yeah. I think I'm into that one. Oh, before sunrise as so unstoppable yes that is all i want from love i want to just be on a train with the person i'm falling for talking about ideas in the universe and pretentious art shit yeah time doesn't (laughs) exist and not sleeping because it's too good the conversation we can't sleep on this and like never kissing for like two weeks (laughs) no (laughs) did you see my i actually really like the sequel to that even mm-hmm. more yeah i did like the sequel and i both um, sequels I'm, well i'm waiting to watch the one where they're older i didn't want to watch it till i'm older because i didn't want to get cynical that's incredible restraint wow <laughs> it's i so watched it good. as soon as it came out in the theater i was like i'm going yeah. to get a ticket oh shit I, i'll probably watch it before then although yeah i'm not far off now but they yeah um, it, they they played all three at, at the Arrow Theater, at, at the American Cinematheque, and they played all three in a row. And I, I can't really sit through three movies, but I was also like, actually, I'm gonna leave because I don't want to. I don't want to ruin that. I'll, I'll... <laughs> I love that you're like out, but your brain's like, let me make this romantic story to justify why I'm walking out right now. Yeah, <laughs> really, because I need to save this for when I'm more. Actually, I don't. I like yeah. the ending of the second one because she's just singing Nina Simone and he's just standing there and he's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. Like I have to change my whole life. We somehow always end up on these movies. We do. That's mentioned a lot before sunrise. Really? A lot. Oh, I, I was falling for this girl a few years ago and I, I just gone to see that movie and she, and we were talking about, she lived in Phoenix and I was like, I'm going to, I gotta go like tell her how I feel and I because we because and then I saw before sunrise and that was the kind of conversations we would have and the first time we ever met we stayed up till 5 a.m talking but it was at a party but no one else was awake it was like just us and I found this movie like I only saw it like five years ago and I was like oh my god I have to drive to Phoenix I have to tell her I love her like I have to do this thing and I did you drive to Phoenix I told her I was like I'm coming to Phoenix um she was like oh my god great yeah like i'll get i get off work at like this time and i'm like driving to phoenix i have my phone i buy the movie so that i can watch the movie again on my while on my, you're uh, driving I, I, yeah well, just, i wanted to just hear it 
I just okay. wanted to like, yeah, okay. yeah. I didn't, I wasn't like watching the movie. Okay. But <laughs> you get into a three hour pile up. I do that sometimes actually. I like to listen. If I've like seen a movie a bunch, I'll just have it play the movie like nearby. But uh, so the whole drive there, I'm like filling my brain with romance. <laughs> And I get there and she's like, does not picks up her phone. She doesn't text. She's ignoring. Like, I'm like, hey, I'm like, I'll be arriving by like midnight. Like you get off at one or what time? No response. And at this point, I'm like going to my friends to stay with him. And I was like, huh? uh, uh, Well, I'm, I'm 30 minutes from the exit. So I can either head to Scottsdale or I could just go to my friends. And I get to my friends and I pull over and I go on Instagram and I'm like, huh. And I look at her page. She had posted that day a man, a man in, in a boat and said, like, you were the light of my life. That's something, oh. you know, like, happy birthday, sweet one. And I was like, this man exists? This man that shows up in no other photos? Oh, my God. This, this person literally, like let me get excited about this. Cause I was like, I'm, I got, I was like, I realized I've needed to ask you out and it's been too long and it's time that I admit my feelings to you. And she was like, that's so great. I would love to go on a date with you. What? Yeah. She had said that before I went. So I was going to go and be like, I felt like this for years. And instead she blew me off the whole weekend. Uh, which after I saw the boy, I was like, Hey, we don't, we don't have to hang out. And you don't have to ignore me. Like, we could just be friends. I'm cool with that. No response, though. And no acknowledgement of any of this. Whoa. Wait so strange. <laughs> okay, so wait. You <laughs> knew her. Were you, had you dated at all? No, we reconnected at a wedding. Oh, I was photographing a wedding. <laughs> oh, wow. This is a movie. Was, yeah. This is a movie. I'm like, okay. want to see this. <laughs> okay, so I was... <laughs> Um, I was... You're like, I was I really was tan. A... <laughs> <laughs> I had just gotten veneers. I was having yeah, my hair a little longer. So I was photographing this wedding, and I was like, man, that one bridesmaid is so cute. Like, oh my gosh, she looks like Kira Knightley. I was like smitten, but I was like, don't stop, don't, you know, just... And sure it turned out that I had known her. I heard someone say her name and I was like, Oh my God, we, we stayed up all night at a party eight years ago and, and like kissed and nothing happened. And we kind of, we, and we lost touch. And so then she's at the wedding and, and, um, I remembered her name. So I went up next to her near the end of the, it was like, I was taking photos of them dancing and she, she was next to me and I went, Hey, and she was like, Hey there. And I was like, I did not recognize you. Like you look a lot different. And she's like, I know, I know. I kind of had a feeling. And then we ended up talking like the whole night once I was able to like not and her, and then the bride came up to me and she was like, Oh my God, do you have a crush on her? And I was like, I don't, yeah, I, I think I do. I don't know what to do. And then her sister came up to me. She's like, do you know her? Cause I'm going to be fucking clocking you, dude. Like, I don't like, and she was like really protective and this whole stream of like situations was happening, but we, but she was going back to Phoenix. So, and I was about to move to LA. So I was like, well, but we texted and had this like 
we would we would text for like four hours at a time huge about everything under the sun it was like it was a heady drug because i was like this is all i ever want this is before sunrise this is mm-hmm. texting the texting um, and that went on for about a year like where we'd go through there we'd have like periods where we weren't texting a lot but then i always thought we were both single um, so she was with someone the whole she time was with someone the whole time she'd been with this she's she's actually still with this guy and it, at this point i'm like what wait a second okay. uh, are they like polyamorous though like no oh definitely not in this texting were was there talk about dating relationship was there anything like romantic verbiage no we never talked about it was it was a mum topic there was never a mention of a boyfriend or a girlfriend <clears throat> um i think i was constantly being like yeah, man, dating in LA is so hard. And like she would, she would be vague back. And then I was, I was in Greece with my family the next summer, and on the plane, uh, when I was there, I was like, "Who? What am I doing? Like, I I love that girl. I love her. I have to like tell plane. her how I feel." Of course, you're on a plane. I was like, I was like just having this like kind of you know manic travel high. Totally. Or I was like. I was like, I'm getting back to the States and I'm getting off that plane and I'm driving to Phoenix. Like, you know, there's this science, fun. there's some sort of science behind planes, like why you get emotional on planes. Something about like the, yeah, there's something. No, I, did, I heard this on a, I can't completely verify this, but because I did hear it secondhand on a podcast, but something about the lack of oxygen or like the altitude makes you more emotional. And like, Ooh. I always want to fall in love when I'm on a plane and I always cry. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Why you're more is likely to get like, on an airplane? Because don't you guys always cry like, on a plane? Is that just me? I cry on airplanes. I've cried on airplanes. Maybe it's I think I'll cry like, more readily at a movie. Maybe it's because the possibility of death is always on your mind. It's just there's something about longing. You're on a plane. You like. You know, there's something very yeah, romantic like, and like all the people. Huh. Where are they going? Are they going? It's just very emotional to me. Um, anyway, so you're on a plane and you're like, I have to tell this girl that I love her. Yeah. And, and I think right when I got landed, I, I texted her my feelings and was like, I, I want, I want to, I just want I need to come to Phoenix and I need to take you on a date. And she was like, okay, well I'm working weekends like this whole time. So you could come like the beginning of September. So I like, that was the day. And, uh, this is crazy. That was this, that was this drive with this movie. Cause then and I saw the movie and I was, it only confirmed my feelings. Cause I was like, Oh, that is yes. Like I am. <laughs> love. So, the, so some of these movies did get to you. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I guess that's not, that's not a strict rom-com, but I, no, I definitely... it's not. that's just a really good movie about like love. I, I never confronted her explicitly about it and was like, Hey, that was rude. Like, we still talk from time to time, but I obviously let that go. Yeah. That's so, that's so strange. I want to ask you about, um, you said, I can't remember exactly what you said, but you said the movie True Romance was a key component in like one of your worst relationships or something. Yeah, it was, it might, it was straight up, I mean, like, verbally abusive for sure but it was my worst relationship um but we both 
we had this like Sid and Nancy us versus the world. Like she like would whip me around with like, like we're just like them. Like we're, we're like crazy in love. And her favorite movie was true romance. So it became the language we spoke through. Like we quoted it. She loved to dress like um, her uh, Patricia Arquette. Like a lot of her style came from that movie. Um, yeah, I was obsessed with that movie because she was. I was like, I'm going to memorize it and love it too. We had matching bracelets that we no. made that said, you're so cool. No. Whoa. I you forgot had them about made? We, made? we made like little cutesy, uh, you know, bead bracelets with her like younger sister. And it was like, you're so cool. Do you still, do you still have one? <laughs> you know, it's definitely under like one of the nostalgia box. Yeah. <laughs> we lived, we... We quoted it. I, I like made spray paint art for her of it. Did you kill I mean, for her? What? Did you murder someone for her? In the no, but she would have loved that. Wait, wait, where was your, where was the spray paint art? Like on buildings? No, I was such a straight edge kid. I was like, I did it on canvas. How old were you? I was probably 19. Oh, okay, that's about right. That feels that's like yeah, the right age. Yeah, 18, nine, we were we were together 18 I was 18 19 20 yeah that's I can't so... watch it anymore I mean I no. it's even though I really love uh or I used to love I think actually um the well I I think uh what's his name Gary Oldman is so offensive but it's hilarious yeah yeah he's great that, like w- the choices Oh, I know. I remember seeing the trailer for that and being like, what is, what's happening? What is this first time I was young? His character? Yeah. He's like, growing up and seeing the trailer. He's like, did I joke if I know? (laughs) (laughs) He he must have created such a backstory to that character. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's, I'm sure. He's like, he's like, He's like, well, he's like, this kid is in this room, and I can see your clock at me. <laughs> I know. Oh my god. The Brad Pitt character, who gets high, and he's like, "You guys want to smoke?" Mm-hmm. Um. That that was the inspiration for um, Pineapple Express. Oh, it, the the log line that Seth Rogen wrote down was, "What if the guy from What if Brad Pitt in True Romance had to deal with the same situation Christian Slater was dealing with?" Which is such a cool way to watch movies. Yeah, that's yeah. Really fun. Like, oh, what what sideways or uh, to write movies? Like, what are so what's a sideways way I could approach the same storyline? Like, I think Rushmore is Wes, Wes Anderson saying, okay, I'm not going to make Cut You in the Rye, but like, what mm-hmm. if I took, what if, what if a kid in Catcher in the Rye fell in love with his teacher? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you get, you get a unique story that's so much better than a fucking like adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a love I story love too, I think. I was going to say, that's my favorite. That's one of my top like three movies about like, I watch it twice a year at least. Yeah, that's such an enduring movie. And it is a love. It is a love story. Yeah. But it's unrequited. (laughs) It's 
it is unrequited, but he ends up with his classmate in the end. He does, Margaret Yang. Yeah, which is really adorable. She's, I love that movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. I want to rewatch it now. That would have maybe been the more, the way movies have affected me is validating unrequited the feel like the unrequited lover like i i just like have that narrative in my head like oh like i am in love even if it's not reciprocated like where i would pursue a girl for a year in my mind without telling her i liked her it's like a it's such a waste of time also that's not it it's not love it's infatuation and like obsession and you know yeah, that's for sure what I, I did as a teenager. So. I would write like really bad poems about guys I had a crush on. <laughs> you were <laughs> over that by college though, because I was still I was still like from afar being absolutely head over heels for someone that had no clue. I took like a year off of college. So I after high school I took a year off and then I did art school for a year and then I transferred to mm. to college and there was no one I had a crush on in my school. So I think that was probably what helped me out with that. Cause I went to Emerson. It was wow. a lot of like, I just wasn't. Yeah. I think I was really focused at that point. I was really focused on like school and like my goals. And that's great. I know that was it's a good time for me, but yeah. So there was, and I would actually like make go out of my way to, date people that weren't even in Boston <laughs> mostly because I wasn't there wasn't a lot of bro-y guys in Boston mm. but I would oh yeah I, yeah I tend to date guys in New York and it was great because it was long distance so we would talk a lot and we like get to know each other really well and then like also like it didn't interfere it didn't interfere with my schoolwork and like my goals but definitely, That's like, so responsible. I for sure, like, yeah, had a crush and didn't tell them. I just got sides. I got sides in during this. Oh. Need to oh, okay. Prepare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I have my email open for the exact same reason because I'm, like, waiting for them to send me sides. Yeah. Look at us. Pretty early. Hell yeah. Like, oh. Okay, fine. Well, this was very fun. Yeah, this is great. Good conversation. A lot yeah, of deep dives. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming, thanks for on. coming on. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, George. Bye, George. Bye. 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 Nothing's gonna stop me. Nothing's gonna stop me. Gonna work till I am dead. Nothing's gonna stop me. Oh wait, I fell in love instead. <laughs>